Welcome back to Cinematic Happy Hour. This week, we will be discussing the movie adaptation of James Baldwin's novel If Beale Street Could Talk, directed by Barry Jenkins. The story is about two young lovers, Tish and Fawny, who find their lives disrupted when Fawny is falsely accused of rape crime. The setting and time period are both so important for this movie. This is a time and place in America where racism is soaring and black people are being killed and incarcerated for nothing. The audience is exposed to all of these injustices through the love of Fawny and Tish. My name is Mary Frances McGill and with me today I have Sophia Radeball. Sophia, thank you for being here today on the Cinematic Happy Hour podcast. And thank you so much for having me today. All right, so let's just go ahead and jump right in. One of the most refreshing and joyful aspects of the story is the way that Tish's unplanned pregnancy at such a young age is seen as a blessing. A new life is about to be brought into the world and Tish and Tish's family all embrace the change with affection and hope. Of course, that doesn't mean they don't agonize over the challenges ahead of them. An early scene shows the contrast between how the two families take the pregnancy news and this provides an illustration of their different upbringings. How does religion affect the reaction of the families, and in what ways does this change your understanding of Tish and Fani's relationship? Yeah, so this is a great question and a really important one at that. Tish's birth announcement is a really, really important scene in the movie. It holds a lot of weight to understanding who these people are and the things that are affecting their behavior. The scene is really tense from the beginning. The Hunt family steps into the home of the Rivers family immediately with their, with their noses up. Also, there's a clear difference in the way that the Hunt family is dressed compared to the Rivers family. This is a way to bring distinction to their upbringings by clothing, which is quite an effective use of wardrobe to bring attention to the room from the very start. And then we see the reaction of Bonnie's mother to the news of her son bothering Tish's baby out of wedlock. She says, that child is born of sin. The Holy Ghost will cause it to shrivel in your womb, but my son will be forgiven. This statement, but my son will be forgiven, is so huge in understanding the divide between the non-religious family and the religious family. Miss Hunt's actual belief that her son would be forgiven, forgiven for this immoral act because he's grown up in the church and Tish will be punished for it because she didn't say say a lot. No, she because she didn't says a lot about their values. But in essence, both families' values are exposed in this shocking introduction of religion into the plot. The rivers respond with love and action rather than shame and accusation. They go to extreme measures to get Fanny out of prison so that the baby will have a father present. They never refer to the baby as Ill- illegitimate or threaten to leave the situation because they don't agree with the circumstances. I think the goal of this is to expose the problems with the moral code of the church, which the movie doesn't really go deep into, but the moral code was sort of an unspoken expectation to hold up a high image within the church and to push out anything that tainted that image. This is why you see the explosion that you did and the, the lack of effort to fight for Fonny's freedom from the Hunt family. It's an attempt to preserve their name. As far as how this affects the way we view the relationship between Fonny and Tish, for me, I see the relationship as sort of a rebellious act, but honestly in the best way possible. They're two people from totally different upbringings that fell in love. I mean, the rom- romantic side of this movie is so eloquent. Tish and Fanny are products of love, and 
just love. That's it. The issues between their families, to me, make their love proven to be even stronger. Tish is not accepted by the Hunts, and that's just the reality of the situation, and you can see that through the reaction of her pregnancy announcement. But Fani still chooses her despite the anger that Miss Hunt feels towards the rivers. That's a great answer, Sophia. All right, so a major theme evident in the film is the portrayal of life in prison and the judicial system. In the Encyclopedia of Race and Racism, institutional racism is described as the process by which racial oppression is imposed on subordinate racial groups by dominant racial groups through institutional channels. While individuals carry out single acts of discrimination, societal institutions are the primary settings where patterns of racial discrimination are established. So a common notion is that a person either is or is not a racist. Understanding that racism occurs at the institutional level adds a layer of complexity to the simple idea that racism is a feeling each individual can choose to either possess or deny. Fonny's being falsely accused is one thing, but the slowness with which the case moves forward with no guarantee of a fair resolution is further evidence of injustice. How does this reflect institutional racism and what are some other examples of intentional racism throughout the film? I mean, this is a great point, and you're right. Racism, racism is, an, is absolutely an institution. It's a system where historically, white, historically whites have restricted, taken away, hurt, and demeaned minorities, and most commonly black people in the Deep South. When talking about racism, you have to note the capacity for someone to actually be racist. To be racist is to hold power. Black people's capacity for being racist has been minimized because they hold little power. Racism is a huge theme in the movie. It's not a feeling, it's acted upon. Institutional racism is clear in the movie through exactly what you're saying. The fact that the case was so drawn out took away Fani's rights to live as a normal human being, which is racism. The power of the white cop to arrest Fani with no reason or no proof of the allegations, racism. The negligence to find out the real story from both sides of the case, racism. And we can definitely see other examples of the racism when Fani and Tish are looking for apartments to live in. Even the white people who don't hold power full positions, like that of a police officer, are still more powerful than they are. Time and time again, these realtors withheld their right to own an apartment and it took up it took up until they met a Jewish realtor who is definitely discriminated against during this time because of his religion to have compassion on them and to sell them an apartment. Really, it's everywhere in this movie because this is the life they live day after day. All right, so jumping off of that, the title of a movie is a deliberate and important choice that any director must make. The title can give the viewer clues about the theme, subject, or context of the story. Obviously, the title is lifted directly from the title of the novel, which was originally published in 1974. After studying the film in depth, what do you think might be the significance of the title? And Sophia, if Beale Street could talk, what do you think it would say? Yeah, so the first thing we see in If Beale Street Could Talk, the movie, emerges as a text on a black screen and a quotation from James Baldwin. Beale Street, he wrote, is a street in New Orleans where my father, where Louis Armstrong and the jazz were born. 
Every black person born in America was born on Beale Street, whether in Jackson, Mississippi, or in Harlem, New York. Beale Street is our legacy. This is so powerful. This is Baldwin basically saying that every black person born in America has had to endure the same crap and the pain that creates a certain bond can't be broken between these people. Even for the relationship of the Hunts and the Rivers, Miss Hunt thinks her family is so superior over the Rivers, but in reality, if both families were to leave the section of town they were living in and migrate to an all-white neighborhood, they would be tr treated equally as wrong. This is what bonds them, even in the midst of tension between the two. Jazz is also a huge connecting force in this movie. There's an intrinsic beauty in Beale Street that serves as a reminder of the magnificence of life in the moment that jazz um, in the background helps us as the audience to see. Beale Street wants you to feel every breath and note offered by its cast. The film seems to move visually like jazz, carrying the ebb and flow of musical transition within its dialogue and structure. And honestly, if Beale Street would Will Street would have a, ba a jazz band on every corner if it could, I think. Um, but lastly, if Beale Street could talk, well, as a white person, it's, it's hard for me um, because I don't feel like I know how Beale Street feels. I've experienced privilege my entire life, so it's hard to know what it's exactly going through the mind of someone who has been affected by these things. So I almost don't want to speak for Beale Street because my race has been speaking for it for centuries. But I would like to know how Beale Street felt if it could talk. I would like to know the pains and the heartbreaks of racism. Um, I wanna give it a voice and not repackage racism with a capital H history of, no of ignoring what happened. I completely agree with what you had to say. As two white women, it would be hard for us to know exactly what Beale Street would say if it could talk. We haven't lived in those houses or walked down the street. We didn't grow up and personally feel the harsh realities of racial discrimination. So how would it be fair for us to give it a voice? Listeners, we want to know what you think Beale Street would say. You can let us know via email, discussion board, or our social media pages. I would like to thank Sophia once again for joining us today. As always, be kind, and we'll be back next week with more.